Psalm 84. When in the valley, part three. But this is part two of the valley of Baca. We'll just read this morning from verse five. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee, in whose heart are the ways of them, who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well. The rain also filleth the pools. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for everyone this morning who are in this marquee. We thank you for all the children that have come out this morning and are down in the polytunnel learning, Father, and practicing. We thank you for every teacher, for every leader and help. We thank you for everyone, Lord, who comes here to prepare and to make things ready for our service today. So, Father, we thank you that you're here. Your spirit is here with us. We thank you, Lord, that he is in our midst. And we thank you that he always leads us to Christ and points us to your beloved, darling son. Thank you for the table that we have gathered around. And we ask you, Father, now as we gather around thy word, we pray in the most and almighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would help this man of frailty and clay lips to break the bread of life. And, oh God, that your people would be edified, but Christ would be glorified. And so we wait on your anointing. We wait on your spirit. For without you, we can do nothing. Thank you for the quietness, the stillness that you've brought to this place. And already we know at the reading of thy word that you will do a wonder and a work in the hearts of people here and those who are watching live or later. Will you give them their portion of the blessing? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We have a message this morning that will continue from last week. But we don't want to dwell too much on last week for we have so much more to show you this morning. And coming up so close to Christmas holidays, you know, we don't want to carry it on another week. But last week we looked at how the Valley of Baca was a barren dry, arid place. And some of those who would be heading to Jerusalem to worship at the feasts would have to contemplate 
they would have to count the cost before they left home because they would have to go through the valley of Baca. They would have to go and traverse it and it was difficult. It was a rough, hard terrain. And so many who went across would be fainting in it. I guess some would turn back at the early stages of it. Some maybe wouldn't leave their home at all to go to the feast if they had to go this way through the valley of Baca. Baca, as we said last week, means a valley of tears, of weeping, and valley of lamenting. There's a family this morning uh, speaking to Gary and they have entered into a valley of Baca. The loss of his grandmother is on with him early this morning. Is on with someone else this morning who will remain anonymous and they have entered into a valley of Baca with a great disappointment. It's a valley of tears, a valley of weeping. None of us know when we will enter the valley of Baca. And some of us enter the valley of Baca in our lives or spiritually speaking. Many times we traverse it back and forward. But the wonderful thing about those who were going through the valley of Baca, they were going to their final destination was to worship. And it was a preparation leaving home. There was a refinement through the valley until they came to the place of worship in Jerusalem. So they had to step back, take stock, and count the cost. And counting the cost means this was the Lord worthy? Was it worth it against their own weaknesses? Was it worth it against their own tiredness, their busyness of life? Was it worth it for them to leave home, to get to the place together with God's people when they went to Jerusalem to worship? Baca is a place of refinement. So here's a question for us all this morning. What is Christ worth? What is Christ worth to you? Is he worth everything that you can give? What is Christ worth this morning? Well, this morning maybe you were lying in bed and you were maybe tired And it wasn't exactly a valley of Baca, but you had to shake yourself and get yourself up and dressed and ready and come here to gather with God's people. But yet you did it. And maybe you've been through things. Maybe you're in your Baca. And it would have been easy to say, I'm not going to go to gather gather into the presence of God with God's people 
round the table to break bread and to drink from the cup this morning to remember his death. Uh, you, know, you could have stayed at home. Maybe sometimes in our lives we get to the place where we are challenged by the word of God. I mean challenged by what God tells you. What God said to you in his word. And you have to take stock. You have to count the cost. First of all, is Christ worth it? Is the Lord Jesus Christ worth it? That which he has put his finger on in your life, to give up, to give over, to lay down, or to stand up for. Maybe your baka is at your doorstep. And it's going to be hard and it might be difficult. Do you deem Christ worthy, more than worthy, than all that you are and have? When we looked at this valley of Baca, the valley of tears, sort of lamenting and weeping, we got to a place last week where we even looked at how ministry and people serving the Lord can find a place of weeping there. People think when we get up to serve the Lord, whether it's here or at the door or at the table or in the children or with the youth or wherever, your service lies, it's all glory for you, but there's, there's times of trial, there's times of exhaustion, there's times of wanting to give up and turn back, but there's times of weeping. When you see the, the preacher stand behind the sacred desk and open the sacred scriptures, People think, well, it must be a a wonderful place to be. Oh, it's a wonderful place for God to set you. It's an honor to bring God's word. And I don't know why me, but people look and say, well, surely they don't go through Baca. I can tell you, brothers and sisters, if you want to get close to God, if you want to get close to God in your life, If you want to get close to God in your walk with him. If you want to minister before God in his service. You're going to have to count the cost. We can't just throw the head up and say no more. Walk away. I know many would do. We can't just chop and change pulpit when we feel we've had enough in one place. We can't just say, well, someone else will do it this morning. I don't feel like going. I don't feel like ministering with the children or whatever it may be. Brothers and sisters, as soon as you step out to minister... As soon as you step out to get closer to the Lord in your walk, 
you will find there's a backer to traverse. And you will have to walk it. There's tears. There's weeping. There's lamenting. But at the end of it, there's God's presence. They arrived at Jerusalem when they pressed on through to God's glory. Would you turn with me, please, to 2 Samuel chapter 5, please? The Valley of Baca is mentioned only once. The, the Hebrew word is Baca. Baca. And in 2 Samuel, please, chapter 5. I would love to read this whole chapter, but we haven't time. Go to verse 22. So what has happened is David has been anointed king over Judah and over Israel. He's seeking after the Lord to see if the Philistines who had come into the valley of Rephaim, Lord, will I go to fight this Philistine army and will, will I overcome it? And the Lord says, go. And he chases the enemy out. He's anointed with oil in the name of the Lord over all of the tribes. It's the king. And in verse 22, it says, And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Raphaim. Raphaim is believed by many to be the actual valley of Baca. Some say it's Achor or where Achan had hidden the treasure under his tent and caused Israel to sin. But many think this is the same valley and the Philistines, the enemy came back again to the exact same place. I want you to catch this this morning. I want you to listen. When God gives you deliverance, it doesn't always mean. And when God gives you a breakthrough, it doesn't always mean that it is a permanent one. The enemy will come back at another date and at another time, especially, especially when God is anointing you. Especially when God is drawn near to you and you're drawn near to God. Everyone thinks when we draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto us. And that is true. The scriptures tell us that. But the enemy will test it. The Philistines come back again. It's in the same chapter. He will come and he will test it when you get close to God. God will be close to you. But the enemy will come to try you and to test you. Have you got your armor on? Have you got the whole armor of God on, as Paul tells us? I find when I feel especially near to God and God especially near to me, especially aware of an anointing, 
the enemy is out to try me, to test me, to tempt me, and to destroy me if he can. The Philistines come back to the valley of Raphim. Notice, and when David inquired of the Lord, there's where we go back to God. Where is your faith, David? Will the Lord give you deliverance and victory before? So now where is your faith? Oh, he's back again. Where is your faith? It's happened again. Where is your faith? The devil's here again. Where is your faith? The enemy is attacking again. So where is your faith? And where or to whom do you go? David, the first time, goes to the Lord and the Lord says, go and I'll be with you. And in faith, he defeats the Philistines. Now when the anointing is on him, they come back again. So where's your faith, David? Put your name there. Where will you go and to whom will you go? Verse 23 And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up. Ah, different this time. God has a thousand ways to answer every prayer. God may not use you in the exact same way as he did before, nor teach you to go the same way all the time. But he will give you diversity of gifts. Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself, for then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. And so, and David did so as the Lord had commanded him and smote the Philistines in Geba. Until they come to Gaza. Now note what he's saying here. See the mulberry tree. Some, some uh, translations we tell it or some interpretation we tell it uh, that uh, this is actually a balsam tree. But nevertheless, it's a mulberry tree here. The word for mulberry tree is the exact same Hebrew word for Baca. The word for mulberry tree here is the same word for Baca. It's the word Baca. And he says, this time, don't go straight at them. I want you to come right round behind them, fetch a compass or, or encompass them. And when you see them moving in the top of the mulberry tree, how will I see the moving, Lord? I'll blow with my winds. I'll move by my spirit. And I'll go before you and follow my leading. Ah, see, we jump, don't we? I've got a certain amount. We'll encompass. Yes, we can do that, Lord. We'll encompass the enemy. We'll surround him then. Teach him a lesson once and for all. And the Lord says, no, you'll wait. You will wait until there's a going in the trees, the Baha, the place of weeping, the place of tears, the 
place of lamenting. And when you see my spirit move those trees, then I'll go in and I'll lead the way. Don't you know that the sheep follow the shepherd? The sheep follow the shepherd and we are sheeple, sheep people. And hence we should always follow the shepherd and watch for his spirit moving in your valley of Baca. In your place of weeping, in your place of tears, in your place of lamenting. Not place where it's dry and it's barren and it's arid. Wait on the Spirit's breath and follow his leading. Don't try to accomplish everything yourself. Don't trust in your own arm. You know what's wrong with many of us? We run ahead of God, head off God's timing and we end up falling. God says, you wait in my time. How will I know? My spirit will move. I'll shake the trees of tears. And it's time then to follow me. The mulberry tree, I'm told, or even the balsam tree, it actually cries when you cut it. If you get a knife and cut into it, it actually weeps. A sap will weep out of it in droplets. And the deeper you cut, the more it will weep. The mulberry tree doesn't produce fruit until all the dangers of frost is past. And when the frost is past, then it starts to blossom. The mulberry tree then has a beautiful fruit that comes from it. Brothers and sisters, don't you see that after the tears and after the weeping, God brings forth a beautiful fruit in you? It's a place of testing, of trial, but it's also a place of refining and beautiful fruit will come at the end of it thereof. It doesn't just pop up and frost will kill it, but it speaks or it symbolizes calculated patience. Something the Lord is still working on me about. Patience. I want it done yesterday. If I need something done, I need it done already. We need calculated patience 
before the buds will come and the fruit will blossom. Listen, Psalm 30 and verse 5 tells us that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And maybe you're in the back of your nighttime. Joy will come. Struggling physically, your backer. Spiritually, your backer. Mentally, your backer. Financially, your backer. Weeping may endure for a night. Joy cometh in the morning. So in Psalm 84, if you'll turn again with me, please. On verse 5. While you're looking, that's the only other place in 2 Samuel where you'll find Bacah. But the word Bacah is only here in this psalm. Blessed is the man whose strength is in thee and whose heart are the ways of them. And let your eye run down, if you will, because I tell you what, let's go to the beginning of the psalm. How amiable or how beautiful, how lovely. Here's your thought life, brother, sister, in your backup. Even before you enter into that place where you step out of your door, as it were, and you're about to traverse it, you've counted the cost, you're thinking how amiable, how lovely, how beautiful Jerusalem was. That's what they're thinking. And in their times of difficulty, in their times of weakness, in their times of tears and weeping and lamenting in this valley, they know going through it, it will be worth it at the end. And what they're thinking is, how beautiful will this temple be when we see it? How lovely will it be to sacrifice a lamb unto the Lord? And they keep it in mind. And brothers and sisters, as we said last week, we don't go uh, on pilgrimage as they would because the Lord is within us. But our life is a pilgrimage. And in our difficult and trying times, how lovely, how amiable, how beautiful will it be? And we actually sang it in two different songs this morning. I don't know whether it was meant or not when Sarah picked them about seeing the face of Christ. How beautiful will it be when you set your eyes on him? How lovely will it be when you gaze into his face? How amiable will it be when we enter into his glory? Surely the traversing of this life and your hardships and mine and your difficulties and your tears and mine, surely it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Surely it will be worth it all when we see him. Notice here, how amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. And what he's saying is here, my heart is fixed on you. My heart is totally sold over, as it were, to you, bought over by you. 
My heart is completely yours, Lord Jesus. My heart is for the temple, for the worship, for the blood of the Lamb. My heart is for the fellowship of his people. To be in the presence of God. And notice what he says here. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. It's like the psalmist said, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Have you lost your thirst? Have you lost your thirst? And does your heart pant after his presence like a deer would pant after water? And if it does not get to the water, it feigns it will die. That's the enormity of this. I wonder how many of us would even notice if God was to remove his presence. I wonder how many of us would notice it. So when we are passing through Baca, the heart is fixed to go through it. See, brother, sister, it's like it's, Lord, I'm going through it in your name. For your glory, for your presence, for everything that you are. I'm going through it, Lord, because you're worth it. Now let our eye run down to verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. A day in your courts, Lord. It's worth even traversing this for a thousand deaths. Now we see the the scales here. We see the the worth and the weight of the glory of of God here. So God greatly outweighs because his heart is fixed on the Lord. For then thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I think every morning when I come in, it was a little bit later this morning, maybe five or ten minutes later than usual, but I'm usually here about about ten-ish. At this door, this morning, Gordon came and opened that door. I've seen Lloyd over here. Willie in the car park and others. At the doors. And funny, we were talking this morning, strange enough, about a little thing about past life. Just briefly, past life and the change that Christ brings into the life. And there they are, being a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord, no longer dwelling in the tents of wickedness. So here's something to encourage you this morning. As this 
David here is believed to have written this psalm because it's very like akin to the style of writing of Psalm 63. And notice here the heart longing. He passes through Baca and he arrives at the courts of God, the temple. And this is what I had written after verse 10. The saint's heart is for God's house because God's house is the saint's heart. The saint's heart is for God's house because God's house is the saint's heart. Because he's in you. You want to press on through to meet with people of like-mindedness who love the Lord Jesus Christ and who want to serve him. So here's your encouragement. Verse 6. Who passing through the valley of Baca make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. You are going to pass through. You are not staying in it. Whether it's mental, spiritual, physical, financial or whatever it may be. It's really tight and it's really tough. State of mourning, whatever it may be. You're not staying there in that position. You You will not always be in that condition. But rather you're passing through it. You're passing through. Remember, we're pilgrims in this earth, the coming of Christ. But in our back, in yours this morning, remember, breakthrough will come. Joy is coming in the morning. Blessing will come. Fruitfulness will come at the right time. With every step, the end is nearer. The valley was so long at the start, but with every step, their journey was behind them. Sometimes we need to see how far the Lord has brought us rather than think we can go no no longer for another step or another day or another week. We need to realize what God has brought us through. With every step, the end is nearer. With every moment, the temple was in sight. Every day that you and I are afforded breath and we are this side of the sod. Every single day, every morning, you open your eyes and you waken up, brother and sister, and you're on this side of the sod. It's a day closer to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. said last week, it's going to get tougher for us. It's going to get harder for us because of the things that are coming into the nation and the land and all these things that they're planning and purposing to do. Back collectively for us together as believers in the Lord Jesus, as blood-washed Christians, are back there may be tears and weeping and lamenting Brothers and sisters, we need to be unified together to walk through the valley, knowing that we're living in momentous times for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh.
Jerusalem got closer to their view. The heavenly new Jerusalem is ever closer every day we're alive. With every tear, tear sister, with every tear that you have shed, brother, you too, God has bottled it. And God is molding you and your offering of worship, whether it's a back of parsley and you come out of it, sure, you want to worship for God's goodness. Whether it's collectively, we will worship in God's goodness in his kingdom. I think of the Lord Jesus in Mark chapter 6 when it says, and he constrained the disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side. And he sent away the multitudes, you see, after they had fed them, and he goes up the mountain to pray and the storm comes and they're in the midst of the Sea of Galilee and, and there the great storm comes. When I think about it, it says he constrained. That means he necessitated. You gotta get into the ship. You have to, you must. In other words, he almost pushed upon them to get into the ship. Why would he do that knowing or did he not know a storm was coming? Of course he knew. Of course he knew. He was up the mountain praying. Do you not know that in the heavenly mountain and before the Father, do you not know that you have him praying for you when you're in your ship in the midst of the sea going through the storm and the blackness of darkness of night? And the thing was, it says, and he saw them. No street lights, no car lights, no search lights, no torches. He saw them from the top of a mountain about three and a half miles out to sea in the middle of the night, pitch dark in the middle of a storm. Waves coming over the ship or over the boat and he saw them and he walks right out the sea into the midst of their storm. But here's the point in this. It was impossible. Would you say Impossible. It was impossible for the ship to sink. Impossible. Do you know why it was impossible? It says, for he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side. The Lord Jesus was saying, get into the ships, I'll meet you at the other side. Go to the other side. Big storms coming. Oh, I know, but you're going through. You're not staying on it. You'll get to the other side. Brothers and sisters, you're going to get to the other side. You will get to the other side. So I want to close. It says here, a second encouragement I want to give you. Psalm 84 and verse 6 again. Who passing through the valley of Baca, make it a well, the rain also filleth the pools. Here's what I've written. Those tears which are shed will water the dry, barren, and arid back of valley. Nothing is wasted in God's economy and in his kingdom. Plus, he also gives the rain into which it fills the dugout holes and makes pools of water to ease your journey like Boaz did for Ruth handfuls 
and purpose. The idea is here that others traversing, some of them hoping for water, would have dug a hole. They would have actually dug a hole, hoping that the rain would fill it for water. And there are people who have went before you, who as it were have dug the holes that God will fill for you. What do you mean? See, when I'm traversing a place like that, there's people who have been there before me in like circumstances and in like manner and have searched out the things of God and given them to me. Either the wisdom of God in the situation, they come to me with it. The word of God, they speak to me about it. And there the Lord, as it were, was filling the holes that they had maybe dug and went ahead of me. And there I'm drinking and it's just enough to encourage me for that moment, to strengthen me for that time. And then I end up getting up and going on again until I reach the end of Baca. And there's the blessing. I see Jerusalem and the temple at the end of it, as it were. Brothers and sisters, verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Here's the thing. You'll dig a hole. You'll dig a hole. And when you'd have drunk from it, you'll give that to others who are coming behind you. Look, there's no one better. See someone who's just saved and they're coming from a place of, say, alcohol and drugs. See, in their struggles, there's there's no one better to talk to them than someone who knows what they're going through when they're first saved. You know, God uses those things. That's a hole that you've dug maybe. And people can drink from it. There's no one better if you want to talk about uh, whatever situation has happened in your life and people to come and say, you see them going through it, mourning the loss of a loved one. I'm sure all of us have to some degree, but a a, a real close loved one sometimes when they pass away there's no one better to try and reach you with the word of God and encouragement and comfort than someone who's really lost a close loved one lets them know that they're not on their own that others have went ahead and you can drink from this hole Verse 7, you see, you go from strength to strength. There were two uh, altars that they would go to, the brazen altar and the golden altar. The brazen altar speaks of our humanity and where the blood was shed for us. Then they would walk on into the temple to the golden altar. It speaks of the one is humanity or humiliation or depraved depravity of our nature and the next one is the golden words the glorification of the saint the golden altar 
speaks of Christ and his cross work and the blood that was shed. Christ glorified in the presence of his Father as the next altar. And you and I coming in Christ, our humiliation, now the glorification or the glory that's to be received. And they would have seen the priests go in to minister unto God for them. Brothers and sisters, the Lord Jesus Christ is our great high priest, the man in the glory. He stands in the presence of light. And he ministers for us until we reach glory. Keep going on, brother. Keep trusting, sister. Keep looking up. And God will bring handfuls and purpose. Ruth chapter 2, verse 16. God will drop handfuls and purpose for you. Waters from wells or holes that have been dug by people that have went before you. Drink from it. Take out of it. And keep going on. God bless us this morning. For Jesus' sake, amen. Bless the Lord. Ask me to give the children a wee buzz there. Let them know they can come up. Team, would you come up please and we'll sing before we go home. Bless God. Thank you for your attention this morning. And let's give on to the Lord. And I'd love to see us come out tonight. We're going to look at the, the called out ones. The called out ones. People talk about church. Church. Church isn't actually a poor word, to be honest. So we're going to look at it. Um, it should be far more than that. But we'll look at the called out ones tonight, God willing, at 6 p.m.